Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan and I have collaborated on videos in the past on this channel. He now has a new YouTube channel of his own where he's been making really high quality content about stoicism. If this is something that you enjoy, please consider going over there to subscribe and show support. The link will be in the description below. I think the most essential tenet of Stoicism, like the basic core of it, was said by Epictetus. He said, it's not things that upset us, it's our judgment about things. Shakespeare said a similar thing. He said, nothing, neither good nor bad, but thinking makes it so. Look, events are objective. The world is what it is. We decide that something was hurtful. We decide that something is unfair. We decide what these things mean. We tell ourselves a story about things. We put judgments on top of them and then they make them harder. I don't think the Stoics would have said there's no such thing as good or bad in the moral sense. Of course, you should judge your own actions. Is this right? Do, am I proud of doing this? Is this who I was raised to be? But I think they're more saying there is not really positive or negative. There's just information, right? Uh, a score of a football game is not good or bad. It's just a snapshot of where that game is in the moment. And then you have the power to change and adjust based on uh, what you do next. But that begins with you accepting objectively what the state of things are. So it's not things that upset us. It's our judgment about things. It seems simple, but it's life-changing. Amor fati is a, a Latin expression that translates to a love of fate. In the early 1900s, Thomas Edison, his factory burned down and he sees his life work going up in flames and, and he says to his son, go get your mother and all her friends, they'll never see a fire like this again. Basically this fire invigorated him. Marcus Aurelius would say, everything you throw in front of a fire is fuel for that fire. So when we face these things that we don't control, um, things that are outside our control, are really our only response is to embrace them and to make the most of them. We have this coin that we made, it's got the Stoic fire on the front, it says Amor Fati, and then on the back it has Nietzsche, not merely to bear what is necessary, but love it. That's what this idea means, so it's not, um, I'm, gonna, I'm okay with this, it's not, um, I guess that's all right, but it's, it's actually like a love, of an, an embracing of, of whatever it is that you're facing. I mean, I think one of the most important things of my morning is I sit down with a journal. The point being, when you wake up, you've got all these thoughts bouncing around in your head. You have the day before, you have what you're thinking about the day to come. And when you sort of sit down and you put this out on paper, you're getting it off of your shoulders and just sort of out into the universe. When I sit down, I do, I do the Daily Stoic Journal, obviously, um, but I try to make it around what I thought the sort of stoic methodology was, which is like you prepare for the day ahead, like what's your intention, what are you thinking about, what do you want to do? And then in the evening when things have slowed down, you come back to that and you actually like ask yourself, how did you do? 
This is what Seneca did. He was talking about how he waited for his wife to go to sleep. He wrote this in a letter to his brother. And he would sit there and he'd put the day up for review. He's like, did I do what I said I was going to do? Did I hold myself to the standard I said I would hold myself to? What's something I could do better tomorrow? And that, that's like what I think about in, in my journaling. There's that line from Anne Frank where she says, like, paper is more patient than people. I think that's the other really great benefit of, of journaling is you take the things you're frustrated about, you're pissed about, that are bothering you, and you get them down and you work on them rather than, you know, sort of just blowing them out on the people in your life. I think one of the most withering lines from Seneca, he says, you're afraid of dying, but how is the way that you're living any different from being dead? And I think his, his point is that we go around, we have this anxiety about death. We don't want to die. We want to stay alive. But if we actually looked at our life, I mean, you're afraid of, you're afraid of dying because you're going to miss out on all these Netflix shows. Like you're afraid of dying because you're going to, you're not going to get to spend all that time in traffic anymore. Marcus Aurelius, he said something really similar. He said, you're afraid of dying because you can't do this anymore. And it's the same idea. Like we waste so much time. So much of life is absurd and lame and ridiculous. And we're really just like burning the days. We're just like, we're almost like prisoners. We're just watching the the second hand on the wall just tick away until we are freed by death. And so the idea isn't depressing. It's not saying that life is, is meaningless and that you should kill yourself. It's saying the opposite. It's saying that life is super meaningful and you're an idiot if you waste a single second of it. I mean, that's that's sort of the idea of the of the Memento Mori coin that, that we've, we've made and that all these people carry with them now. It's like, look, you will die. It's a fact of existence and you can leave life at any moment. So let's make sure that you make the most of this moment. I mean, my, my favorite quote from Marcus Aurelius, he says, um, objective judgment now at this very moment, unselfish action now at this very moment, willing acceptance now at this very moment of all external events. I mean, that's basically stoicism in a nutshell. If you don't have to read meditations, you don't have to read Seneca, you don't have to read Epictetus, you don't have to get a degree uh, from Harvard in ancient philosophy to, to, to get any more out of stoicism than that, right? It's like, look, see the world as it is for what it is. Don't put judgments on top of stuff. Be a good person. You have to take action. That's un like, be a good teammate, be a good citizen, be generous, be caring. Don't be all about yourself. And then willing acceptance. I know people that sounds like resignation, but what it's really about is like, instead of complaining about how things are, instead of feeling persecuted, instead of feeling like shit is unfair, or instead of feeling like you can go back and change the past, which you can't, accept it and then move forward. That's not the willing acceptance now at this very moment of all external events. He's not saying uh, just accept everything as it is. He's saying like, accept the facts and then turn them into something. He's saying you can still change the world, but you can't change what's happened in the past. You can't change other people. You can only focus on what you're going to do with the facts that are in front of you. And so, I mean, th that quote is the essence of what I write about in my books. It's the essence of what stoicism is. And like, I would defy someone to live by that quote and and not see things radically improve for themselves.
what do you do when you meet an asshole? There's this uh, quote from Marcus Realis. He's not talking about assholes. He's talking about, he says, when you meet a shameless person, when you come up against someone's shamelessness, you don't get angry about it. You don't let it bother you. You say to yourself, look, is a world without shameless people possible? No, of course. There's a certain percentage of the population that is shameless. Okay, you met one of those people. Like You know they have to exist, and now you met one. Why should that surprise you, and why should that upset you? And I think you say a similar thing about assholes. Look, we know one in 25 people is a sociopath. We, what percentage of people are having a bad day or being a jerk or had bad parents or just rude or awful? A certain percentage of the population. So when you see those people, you just say, look, that's them. I've met one. Now increases the chances that the next person I meet will not be one of those people. And I think that the other thing for Marcus about when we meet assholes is he says the best revenge is to not be like that. And I think that's important to remind you don't want to let an asshole make you an asshole. Just because someone is rude to you, you don't want that to degrade you or make you worse in how you respond. So look, does that mean you end up shrugging a lot of rude behavior? Sure. Does that mean you take some hits from people that you don't deserve? Sure. But you move on. You got, you got your own stuff to deal with. I don't think you want to let just because someone else is selfish or awful or mean or rude, you, you can't let them throw you off your game. You got to focus on yourself. And then the other thing that Marcus says about assholes, though, is he doesn't say that you let people take advantage of you over and over again or that you fall for the same mistakes over and over again. He talks about, like, look, if you're in a boxing ring and one of the other boxers is cheating, um, they're punching below the belt, they're biting, they're scratching, they're gouging, that's going to change your strategy of fighting that person. Um, But you learn from it, you figure out how to adapt uh, to it, and you're made better for that exchange. So that's the Stoics on how to respond to an asshole. You, you, you gotta go out and have those experiences in nature that just humble the shit out of you. You stand on a beach and hear these waves crashing at you and there's no one around. You gotta walk outside at night in your backyard and, and look up at the stars. You gotta walk city streets when they're empty. You gotta climb a mountain. You you gotta look at a waterfall. You gotta go out and experience this sort of bigness and vastness of of the universe. Because what it does is it immediately makes all the stuff that's stressing you out in your life just feel really petty and small and meaningless. I carry this with me. It's it's a sympathia. You see that that globe right there. That's a that's a very famous image. Obviously, it's the world, but. It's crazy to think that it wasn't until the early 1970s that we ever even actually knew for sure that's what the world looked like. And when you see that, you're immediately sort of humbled. The countries and borders disappear, wealth disappears, humans disappear entirely. We are made tiny by that comparison. And so that's one of the meditative exercises of of Stoicism. That's what we're working on and thinking about. We're suppressing ego. We are reminded of our own mortality, of our own fragility. And we're reminded again what's actually important, what, what we really care about when all those other things are stripped away. Marcus Rios, he's the most powerful man in the planet when he's alive. And he writes over and over, like 30 times in his diary, about working for the common good. He's, he's a dictator. He could do whatever he wants. And all he's thinking about is working for other people, for the good of humanity. 
And I think that's a really important reminder for us, man. Being selfish, being absorbed, being self-centered, it's a miserable way to live. It's kind of a natural impulse, particularly I think when we're younger. And so we can go out and have these experiences. They call them the oceanic feelings. When you're just overwhelmed by the vastness of what's around you or the smallness of what's around you or the silence of what's around you. It just, it trivializes the, the things that we're so passionately angry or obsessed with or trying to prove wrong or trying to master. And then we can go back to those things, I think, fresher and more sober and more clear-headed and, and just more authentic and generous and, and, and present. And so um, if you want to be less self-centered, you've got to go out and have experiences that, that make that impossible.